As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. And we just introduced our late season pricing. You can choose from season long, four week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. And stay tuned for the NFL playoffs and bowl packages that have historically been our most profitable. Use code SHARP25 for 25% off any product site wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. What is going on, Sharp Football Fantasy family? It is the resident Swami of Konami, Rich Rebar, and we have made it to week 15. There are no more bye weeks. COVID is at an all-time season high, but it is basically full-fledged fantasy playoffs in all leagues. I know some have started already. Uh, and, you know, with that, you know, with fantasy playoffs being in full swing universally, I had to call in an oracle. You know, not Barbara Gordon, uh, not the Oracle of Apollo, not even the late Gloria Floster, uh, but it is Matt F. the Oracle, Matthew Freeman from FTN and Bets Media. Matt, what is going on, brother? Hey, Rich, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, the the Sharp Football family, that's a, I mean, that, that's a big thing. It's, it's nice to be uh, a part of that for this, uh, this brief period. Yeah, listen, we've got a big umbrella. Uh, I've always thought you were always one of the sharpest anyways. Uh, we just get to steal it for branding purposes because of the mustache man himself, you know, uh, having having name ro- royalties. Yes, name name royalties. <laughs> Good for him. Lucky to be born with that last name, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I said, hey, we get this little podcast that Sharp Angle's perfect name for it. Uh, we'll just play off of that as much as we can. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been able to grow a mustache as good as Warren's, but, you know, I, I've tried to do what I could. Oh, I, I disagree. <laughs> I think that looks pretty good. In fact, I think you could shave the beard, keep the mustache and be very respectable as a known degenerate. I actually lost a bet once to a friend and have to had to grow just the full like cop mustache uh, mm. and had to wear that for a month. And it, man, I hated it so much. Uh, you know, now that we get to work from home, you know, lucky us, the fortunate ones, but uh, you know, I, I just, I just hate shaving so much. I mean, shaving is one of the worst things. It's not even just a, a thing where I want to have a long beard or anything. I just, I just hate shaving and being clean shaven. So, Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, you're talking about shaving. What about showering? Since, <laughs> since I know that we're not using the, the video for this, of course, I didn't, I didn't shower for this podcast appearance because why bother? Yeah. And I don't know what your, your schedule is in season. I am like a, I just like fit in a shower when I can, I get my kids ready for school. And I typically start working and writing up the games and then it's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to eat lunch real quick. All right, cool. Let me have a shower for 10 minutes, then make lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A good, good on you pretending that you shower every day. Good for you. I, I won't fake it. I, I definitely do not shower every day. That's just the way I roll. That's how the, we are knee deep in the season here, you know, 15 weeks and, you know, it's, a, it's taken our toll uh, on everybody and especially, you know, gamers. But yeah. uh, I always like to ask people when they come in and, you know, you've been around for so long that some people may have, you know, lost track of it, but I actually do think you have one of like the, I think you, your story of how you got into the space and what you did before this is really cool and unique and interesting. Uh, you don't have to divulge everything if you want, but, you know, I always like to ask people just to lay the background of, you know, how you got into the space and you can kind of be as brief or as detailed as you want. But I do think your, your story of what you did before this is particularly intriguing. Well, uh, you know, my story is pretty typical. Uh, in the summer, we wore meat helmets. No, uh, I, I, I don't know. Random, random association there. No, I was a, a PhD student in literature at Boston College and just kind of got into fantasy sports as a way of staying in touch with, you know, buddies from high school. And I became so obsessed with it that I was like focusing on fantasy and researching and, you know, being just a, a fantasy douche degenerate uh that i was like ignoring like my my grad school studies like instead of writing a dissertation i was researching marvin mcnutt you know and uh and so eventually one of the guys i was following uh you know fantasy douche you know at the time he didn't even have rotoviz it was just fantasydouche.com uh but he started rotoviz and you know teamed up with Sean Siegel who had money at the banana stand and John Moore who had the college football experiment 
Uh, he was, I think, the first rider in the door there. And, uh, you know, I just saw what they were doing at Rotoviz. And, uh, you know, Frank DuPont, a.k.a. Fantasy Douche, put out a call for riders. And, you know, it was sort of like a Costanza moment of like, well, I always pretend to be an architect. Uh, you know, like I it's like I, I pretend to be uh, writing a dissertation. Uh, why don't I actually write some fantasy football articles? So I sent uh, Fantasy Douche some thoughts on uh, potential article ideas. One of them was on T. Y. Hilton. He told me to turn that into an article. And that was in, I believe, like March of 2013, uh, like February, March of 2013. Um, and, you know, it, that's just kind of how it started. I was at Rotoviz for a couple of years, uh, then eventually was lucky to catch on full time at Fantasy Labs, uh, you know, with Jonathan Bales and Peter Jennings. And, you know, Bales had, had done some work at Rotoviz. So there was a, a little bit of a connection there. Uh, you know, and then from there, uh, you know, that folded into uh, Action Network and was there for a few years and then I uh, just started at FTN this past July. So it's it's been a long and winding road, but uh, it all started with me as a PhD student in English who was more obsessed with fantasy than Shakespeare. And I can't remember before you started doing fantasy, weren't you actually writing like an autobiography on someone? Yes. Okay. Yes. There was, there was, uh, like intermingled within the, the grad school research. Uh, I was writing a biography on Lane Staley, the lead singer of Alice in Chains. And so I had actually like gotten it approved with the family. I, I lived in Seattle for a year and a half in a frat house as the quote unquote resident scholar, you know, so like I had room and board for free and, uh, I interviewed, uh, I did maybe like close to 200 interviews for the book. And I wrote wow. about, uh, I would say like 25 to 30% of the book. And then one day I just stopped and I, I, I did not, I, I honestly, I have not revisited it since, which like, it's, it's like one of the greatest failures uh, of my life uh, in a life strewn with failures. That one is probably the biggest. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a, it's a sore point, honestly, Rich, thanks for bringing it up. No, just, just joking. But it's, you know, it, it's a really weird thing because like, I, I feel like I got so much of the story uh, and I may be the only person who knows some of the details of like weird things about his life that like family members don't know, but I just like, I just, I totally burnt out and, you know, I just, one day was like, I'm going to take a break. And I literally have not gone back to it since. You know, that's funny. Cause I feel like you are that way too, with, you know, fantasy douche and Frank DuPont, you know, who I've always said like, I don't want to know anything about him. Like I don't want, because it'll just be ruined, right? Everything I've built up will just be ruined. I've always told Pete Overzet, who has talked to him as well and knows met him in person. I'm like, I don't ever want to see him. I don't, I was like really upset in the one time his, his like, he was on the podcast that did like a, a bit at the end of a podcast. And I was like yeah. really upset that I even heard his voice. Cause That's it, right. was, that was, that was the road of his, that was the road of his <laughs> podcast. That was the, uh, the 100th road of his episode. And he popped in the end and it was just because it, it, it already changed so much for me that I'd built up in my brain that I was yeah. like, I was like, I don't want to know anything else. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, this has been, like we said, 15 weeks we're here. Uh, I just want to get your general thoughts here. How's this season been for you? You know, in any direction that you want to take it, like if you thought, like, do you like this NFL season? Has it been a terrible fantasy season? However you want to take it, just, what are your top down thoughts of uh, this 2021, you know, NFL year? It, it feels like it's been a really weird year. Uh, I, and that's like, uh, I, you can't like quantify that, but if I could quantify that, the way I would do it is by saying that like in a number of the leagues I'm in, like I am, uh, either the leading point score or like number two in points, but like my teams are barely in the playoffs or like not even in the playoffs. And it's just like, that's the kind of year it, it feels like to where like, normally I'm just thinking of, okay like aggregate points, like most points, like not focus mm -hmm. on like consistency week to week or whatever, but just like, let's just score the most points this season. And somehow that will like result in fantasy goodness down the road. And it just, it, it hasn't in a number of leagues. So like that, I feel like that kind of, I don't know, represents what this year feels like it has been. Uh, it's just, it's been a very weird season and also say, you know, on the, on the business side of things, you know, I, at, uh, at action was able in my final year there to focus just on content. And like, that was a real luxury. Like I had recruited writers, I had been editing stuff, but that final year, 
I was focused just on content and it was glorious. And this year it's been, I wouldn't say like a, a challenge, but like, or like a welcome challenge, you know, like I have transitioned into a new role as the chief strategy officer at FTN. So there's more that I am doing on the business side of things. And so that means on the content side of things, I have to be more judicious and how I spend my time, you know, like I just, I have to streamline my research. And so, whereas in previous years, I would have luxuriated in a deep dive into like Antonio Brown and his like route percentages or, or things like that. It just means that like, I can't, uh, I can't take the time to do that because it's not plus EV for me. There are just other things on the business side that I need to be doing. So like, it's been a year, like, I feel like on, on the field, it's been a weird year. And then just for me personally in the business, it's been a year of transition. So I I feel like I've always not like been behind the eight ball, but just like trying to, trying to balance what it is that I'm doing. Do you, do you feel like that has helped you in fantasy this year or hurt you? You know, we always talk about like, I'm the opposite, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm part of the content machine and I have to find new angles, but you know, has it streamlining your, your actual work and content generation actually made you a bit fantasy better fantasy player by just kind of you know not having as much noise filter in you know i maybe it has uh a, a few years ago when i was doing the fantasy pros rankings uh my first three years i was in the top 20 each of those years and the the final year of those three i i finished number six and then i started trying to fine-tune like quote-unquote fine-tune my process i you know before i was doing it just rankings like, and I would have, you know, some sort of like, kind of like baseline numbers behind what I was doing, but it was really rankings instead of projections. And then, uh, you know, at action, I did projections, you know, with Sean Corner and Chris Raybon, they're great at projections. I was doing projections kind of by the seat of my pants and then using those projections to go into rankings and the projections worked for player props, but they didn't work as well for rankings. And so this year I've kind of scrapped the projection process because at FTN, we have Jeff Ratcliffe doing projections. There's basically no one better in the industry at doing projections. And so like, I'm not going to do projections. I'm just going to do really quick rankings that are kind of more, I don't know, like my, my rankings process is like, it's very caveman, you know, like my projections, I'm like, Oh, you know, route share and like trying to get stuff like pretty like quote unquote scientific. My rankings are just like this guy above this guy, above this guy. Like I could try to put numbers to it, but this is just how I feel. And like going back to that more kind of basic method of doing rankings, I'm actually in the top 20 once, once again <laughs> at fantasy pros ranking. So like, I would say like maybe streamlining and, and dumbing down part of my process actually has resulted in, in better predictiveness relative to my past few years. Nice. That's, that's always one like the you know, the one debate is what, how much information is too information? You know, do you, do yeah. you end up, you know, strangling yourself out? Uh, so that's, that's good to hear. Uh, you know, like we said, this is a big week for everyone and a set of, a set of weeks. So before we dive into some specific week 15, you know, kind of matchups and, and player thoughts, uh, is there anyone kind of out there? Like if you would suggest to anybody like, Hey, if this dude's out there on your waivers, like over the, you know, the starter fans, just grab him, make sure that he's not out there, uh, that, that could pay off. Uh, down the line? Uh, no, I'm going to disappoint you with, with <laughs> the answer. Fair enough. No. And, and the two reasons one, because like a lot of my process is now just, I wouldn't say like it's based on um, like points per game, but that's sort of like the baseline of a lot of stuff. And so like, it's, it's very contingent for some of these guys. Like if they're on waivers, they're probably fairly useless right now. And so you would just hope that there is some sort of like, quote unquote, like discovered value in some of these guys, like someone in front of them gets injured or gets COVID Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And then this guy uh, ends up having production that we wouldn't have anticipated outside of some sort of contingent event. So like a lot of these guys, they feel kind of similar to me in that it's like, okay, well, if something is going to happen, it's going to require the guy on the depth chart ahead of him no longer to be there. And most of those guys are running backs. Most of them are are like clear handcuffs. And a lot of those guys are probably already rostered. Like Alexander Madison, already rostered 
in the super majority of leagues because everyone knows if Dalvin Cook is out, Alexander Madison can be a league winner. You know, the similar thing with someone like Dearness Johnson. If if Nick Chubb suffers an injury, Johnson has the potential to go off and, and win you your league. And then also with all of the COVID uh, chaos that has hit the league in the past couple of days, like it's hard to like kind of pinpoint any one person because mm-hmm. there's just so much that is happening right now. But what, like, what are you, what are your thoughts on someone who's, you know, maybe on waivers, who's a clear person to target for the playoff run? Yeah, I think mostly everything right now by this point is is contingency based. Uh, you know, I would say like if you are looking for a contingency based guy that I don't think is owned enough across leagues, it's uh, Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, he's probably like the one handcuff that I think like floats through the cracks always. That's he's, fair. he's already kind of playing. He's already playing the long down and distance stuff. It's actually really frustrating when you look at Joe Mixon. A lot of people have talked about you know him and having that touchdown streak that came to an end. But if you actually look at Joe Mixon's like clear correlation to having good RB one fantasy games and not, it's literally like how he's used in the passing game. Um, that's been kind of like the, the real bugaboo for him. I mean, he has two or fewer receptions in eight games this season, and in those games, he's been an RB twenty three uh, or higher just once. Uh, you know, so, I mean, if, if something were to happen to Joe Mixon, Piran actually might have a larger role than Mixon has now, which is wild. We could see, you know, uh, you know, Captain America get in there too, uh, who, who flashed early in the season, but, you know, it's kind of fallen by the wayside late in the year. Uh, yeah. but he'd be the one guy I would say that like, you can go out and, and grab that as that handcuff contingency value that really mm-hmm. is underowned, I think. Yeah. And you know what the, in that vein, one player who does stand out to me is Khalil Herbert, because at oh, yeah. this point, a number of people have dropped him, but we do know the upside that he has in the event of a David Montgomery absence. So he's not like P. Ryan in that he's not really having an active role right now in the offense, but he is a league winner. And I do think he actually is out there in a good percentage of the leagues. Yeah, I love that one too. And I think of the early week scare last week kind of pushed some people. I saw him get re-picked up in a number of leagues uh, that I was in that had like limited roster space when Montgomery like missed like Monday practice last week. Uh, you know, so he's a, he's a great one. Um, and then, you know, we don't know about some of these other teams like, you know, Houston and stuff when they're going to get religion in place in these guys. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, grab Brevin Jordan. And you're like, oh, well, Brevin Jordan still ran 40% of the routes last week. It's like, what are we doing, Houston? They finally yeah. committed to Davis Mills. They did uh, finally let Nico Collins like run a bunch of routes last week. So maybe that'll mm-hmm. be sticky these final uh, games of the season. But yeah, who knows what like they're even doing? Because you have these teams that are out of it. And it's like, when do they start looking at some of these players, right? Yeah. Uh, one more one more guy, since you mentioned the Texans. Royce Freeman, because Burkhead has been ruled out for mm-hmm. week 15. So, you know, depending on what they do with David Johnson, maybe Royce Freeman ends up being the lead back or a significant timeshare back there. But, you know, like I'm talking about Royce Freeman. It's not like I'm excited about the <laughs> idea of actually picking him up. I mean, four years ago, I'd have been all in. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, he was a uh, you know he was with the RB twenty four last week. Uh, we'll see if David Johnson cuts into his routes this week and see how that plays out. But I mean, watch that watch that uh, Texans Jaguars game be like a pivotal swing game on the slate this week. I could totally see it happening, uh, or it could just be terrible and gross. But remember, week one they 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 were they played a fun game for fantasy uh, and had a lot of fantasy points were, were in that game. But let me hit you, start this off with some week 15, you know, actionable nuggets here. Cause we want to pick your brain. Cause like you said, you're, you're just smashing these rankings. Uh, we, we've already dug into the process. So I'm going to start you out with the hard one and literally is how do you see this Rams backfield playing out the rest of the season? Well, I mean, assuming that Daryl Henderson yeah. actually is healthy and, and I'm, I'm assuming that he is coming back. He missed weeks 13 and 14. I'm assuming he's coming back this week. He's had 15 plus opportunities in every game he's played this year, but one, Uh, you know, and in week five going against the Seahawks, he had 99 yards and a touchdown. The Seahawks, by the way, number two in most fantasy points allowed this year. So a a great matchup for him this week. Uh, If Henderson is ruled out, Sony Michelle, you know, becomes a, a a plug and play guy. But assuming both are there. I think it is still Henderson's backfield. I think he has, you know, something close to like a 65, 70%, uh, you know, domination of the backfield. And then the rest of that goes to Sony Michelle. But I do think we see Henderson slot in with the usage that he's had pretty much up to this point in the season going around that, you know, we'll say like 14 to 18 on the high end opportunity uh, per game range. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a backfield that was, was pretty much a one-man show. And then, you know, now there were kind of whispers even before Henderson got hurt that, you know, they might be looking to do some different things with Sony Michelle. And then Sony's played kind of well. And then McVay was kind of, you know, vague and like their usage, but he kept bringing up Daryl Henderson. So we don't want it to be a point where, you know, we get, it's not a full Wally Pip situation, or maybe it is like a Leonard Fred Ronald Jones situation last year. And we just kind of, uh, if you had Sony Michelle, you're going to run into this guy that just now has this backfield and this elite offense, um, or it could just be the worst thing of all. And, you know, kind of a split backfield where we can't play either of the guys. Um, but yeah, there's a definitely a lot up in the air that we're looking to see if you, if you had Daryl Henderson this weekend and he's active, how confident are you to play him? Oh, I mean, I think, I think you have to, unless you have a lot of other guys who are just, you know, in the, the top 10, top 15, but if you have Henderson, I, I kind of can't imagine not playing him as long as we get pretty good practice reports. You know what I mean? Like as long as we get clearance of like, oh, he practiced in full on Friday. Like the quad injury is not an issue. He's activated from the COVID list. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you have him, you're probably starting him. Are, are you a little more skeptical on him? I am. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really have a good pulse on it, on the situation. Uh, that's why, I'm, you know, I bring in guests like you to kind of, you know, make me feel better about having Daryl Henderson putting him in my lineup. Uh, you know, you just know, the- maybe, maybe, sorry, maybe I'm being a donkey on this, but I'm just sort of like looking at the production he had mm-hmm. before the injury and thinking, you know, like when he comes back, cause he's missed some games before already this right. year or like, so I'm thinking when he comes back, he roughly, maybe slightly diminished, but roughly should be projected for the workload that he had previously. That's my Neanderthal way of viewing this. Yeah, I mean, the one thing we haven't seen, even in the two games Sony Michelle has taken over, really the three games, if you go back to week three as well, was he just was, he, he hasn't been used like near the goal line as a pass catcher. Daryl Henderson actually leads all NFL running backs in end zone targets this season. Uh, we've seen him run a couple of wheel routes. We saw him run that Texas route up in, against the Packers. So they have dialed him up like and actually called plays for him as a pass catcher near the end zone too, which, which we always love. Uh, Cause the Rams are the pass heaviest team, you know, inside the 10 this year, uh, which is kind of oscillated from the years of having Jared Goff. It's funny when you have a guy that you trust, uh, you're more willing to throw the football uh, down in that area of the field, sticking in that same game. We finally seen it four years of using a first round pick of Rashad Penny have been vindicated by this one performance against the Houston Texans career highs everywhere. Career high in snap rate, career high in carries, which is only 16 uh, career mm-hmm. high in rushing yardage. He also had two touchdowns. So Pete Carroll came out and said that, you know, he deserves a look as the, to, to be the bell cow the rest of the season, be the workhorse. But now we run into this like terrible matchup and there's two good matchups on the horizon. So how are you handling Rashad Penny this week and moving forward? Honestly, Penny, I have, I don't know. I have really no idea what to do with him. Um, I I think he does serve as the lead back for the rest of the year. Um, But as you mentioned, it's a pretty nasty matchup that he has this week. Uh, and so I'm assuming that he's not going to be highly productive, like on that low end, let's say like the RB2, RB3 borderline, mm-hmm. like that's roughly where I have him ranked right now. Um, but I do think he will be the lead back this week. And then, I mean, just given how disgusting that backfield is in general for Seattle, I think after that, he maintains his role as the lead back and has serviceable production. I would say like RB2 type of production. Yeah, if he can just get through this one where he doesn't totally like kibosh this uh this thing yeah. and can hold on to the job, you've got yeah. a really good two weeks. But I definitely would be hesitant chasing, you know, last last week's production. The player or uh, the team that Rashad Penny just torched, uh the Houston Texans have been a team we've picked on the entire season. Yeah. Now we have James Robinson coming up who basically, you know, was injured for two games, played, played through these injuries. He sucked out a couple one-yard touchdown runs, still got there. Then he has a fumble against the Rams, basically gets benched, but unquote, or quoting or admired, wasn't benched, but really was. Uh, then last week he come up the snaps, kind of came back a little bit, but then he just had six touches in the game. So now we've, we've kind of, you know, grabbed James Robbins for his playoff stretch. I mean, how confident are you in going to James Robinson now as like a fringe RB1 or RB2 in your lineups this week? A uh, fringe RB1? No, uh, like not, uh, not confident at all with him in that range. But the thing is, sadly, you probably don't have three guys who are all 
clearly better than James Robinson. So you probably do have to go with him. I have him ranked um, like around, uh, let me see. I have him ranked as a low end RB2 this week. And that feels kind of insulting given the talent that he has in the matchup that he has. But like, we just don't know what to do with him. Like this could end up being like, oh, Carlos Hyde gets the touchdown. You know, like it could end up being uh, just a version of what we've seen the past couple of weeks. So the the upside is there, but there is significant risk with James Robinson in this game. So I think it's a, a really wide range of outcomes. All right, let me throw some names at you if I've got James Robinson that maybe, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start... I'll start sick quiz you on the on the fly here with James okay. Robinson. Uh Javante Williams. Oh, I would I would start Javante Williams over James Robinson. Uh what about Devontae Freeman? Oh uh no, but it, it's close. How about Miles Sanders? Uh are we even certain that Miles Sanders is starting this or like is playing this week do we have like a sense about his his ankle injury but so I would say no like I have I have Sanders ranked after Freeman all right and uh so I guess that's probably like the area where probably people are looking what about Clyde Edwards Hilaire I'll throw that one at you oh I I would go with Edwards Hilaire like all right here's here's (laughs) one here's one that's in the neighborhood like Ramondre Stevenson you know like if we knew Damian Harris wasn't playing I think that changes a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. May, all right. Well, what about this one? Uh, I, well, this one's also contingent. I was going to say Miles Gaskin, but like there's a lot of unknowns with the other running backs there. Does Malcolm Brown return this week? You know, so that one is maybe a little more uncertain too. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm thinking like for fantasy playoffs, like especially this week where you're talking about like, we, you got to let it go this week, right? Like you got to let the arrow fly. We're, we're shooting for a lot of points. So you're probably actually playing a team that's good. Uh, you yeah, know, <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah. You know, and I'm actually I'm I'm choosing to taste to, to to take the optimistic side on James Robinson for no really good reason because Urban Meyer doesn't give us any good reason to. Um, but even a couple players in that game, you know, because I kind of mentioned it for even potentially being kind of like sneaky good for DFS or or it could just be the heart of darkness. But uh, yeah, I, I think that they wanted to get him going last week. It just kind of just fell apart. The game script kind of fell apart in that game because he was out there. They just didn't run the football, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it's it's just sad what's happened to Jacksonville. It's hard it's, to have any confidence. <laughs> yeah, it's not hard to see the optimistic side of this. They're at home. They're favored somehow. The Jaguars yes. are favored in an NFL game. They're going against the Texans defense, which is number thirty-two in defensive rush EPA per play. So the matchup is there. Like all of that aligns. And in his eight games this year with ten plus carries. Robinson has 759 yards, seven touchdowns from scrimmage. So like the production is also there assuming the usage and it's reasonable to project the usage based on the matchup and the the game situation that is implied by the Vegas lines. So like I can see the scenario for how all of this works out. And as you say, it's the playoffs. You're going against an opponent that's probably pretty good. You need to put up some points you swing for the fences and go for the upside. So yeah, like I think if you have James Robinson, you're starting him, but you just also have to be keenly aware that there is a world of downside. Yeah. I think that uh, another player like that right now, and this is all contingent on basically how he's been used uh, the past three games he's played is Debo Samuel, but you know, he's, he's industry has him ranked as basically a top six wide receiver again this week. But he's gone. He's now oscillated from alpha wide receiver that was commanding thirty percent of the team targets and was just just dunking on everybody in fantasy. Uh, and now he's turned into like a, a low usage running back. The last three games, he, he's just got one catch. Uh, we've got kind of a gray area in like how we've gotten to here, you know, because George Kittle came back, Brandon Ayuk's out of the doghouse, Elijah Mitchell has missed two of those three games. So how are you handling Debo Samuel? I, I know nobody's benching him, especially because you get to play three wide receivers and. and you, you talk about this lineup that of games that the 49ers have against the Falcons, but do you view him? Are you still viewing him as like a locked in fantasy wide receiver one, or do you think there is some downside to him now? I, yeah. I mean, I do think that there's downside, but I also think he is still a, a wide receiver one uh, because I mean, I feel like Kyle Shanahan is like galaxy braining the usage for, for Debo Samuel, just trying to see like how inventive he can be with Debo Samuel. But um, 
they are still giving him the ball near the goal line or closer to the goal line. So like, even though these touchdowns are, are longer, they're not like all like two yard touchdowns or something like that. I still think that they know that they need to give him production that is meaningful because he is, if, I mean, besides George Kittle, I would say like, he is the most important person on that team. So like, I still think one way or another, they are going to have high leverage usage going to him. And the way that they have designed the running plays, like these are plays that go for significant chunk, chunk gains, which like, I don't think that that is really projectable, but it's getting to the point with Debo Samuel that it kind of is projectable. Like it's not just this year. Like he's been doing this for three years now where when they give him the ball as a ball carrier, he's actually very productive. So uh, the usage as a receiver (laughs) totally sucks right? One target, four targets, two targets in his last three games. I mean, that is horrifying, but you have to think that if it's a game state where they need to pass the ball, they would use him more as a receiver. And the way that they are using him as a runner is sufficient enough for me to think like, yeah, he has a decent floor still as a, a low end wide receiver one. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting situation because like I said, Elijah Mitchell's Mitch missed two of these games outright. Yeah, so it's like, well, how much of that was forced? And he's still running a ton of routes, like in when the passing was like, he's coming yes. off the field. It's like, a, he's just not getting targeted, which is really weird because you would think that you still would want to mix some stuff into him. Like, especially to make it like some, even some like jet motion stuff where you just give him like the free catches, right. Uh, that we had seen in years past. Um, and, and like that stuff hasn't existed. So it's really weird, but you know, it is interesting to see that he missed the game two weeks ago and that's the worst offense played over the past, you know, yeah. five weeks. So there's definitely something to that as well to saying like, yeah, they've got to kind of work their way through this in the same game, you know, Spider-Man memeing his, the, the, other player that's been like Debo this year, uh, Cordero Patterson, all, all of the, uh, you know, year two Cordero Patterson, fourth round draft picks have been vindicated, uh, bring those back. Uh, he, he just scored his 10th touchdown on the season Sunday, but also kind of not a complete overlap like Debo, but his role has changed as well. The Falcons have kind of moved him from out being like a Swiss army knife to almost like a full-time running back as well. And Mike Davis is now running more pass routes and catching more passes than him. So, I mean, obviously, like I said, CPAT, like no one's benching him, but I'm just curious in week 15, like, you know, based on where he was grabbed, like, where are your expectations for Coral Patterson? Is he, do you still view him as a, like a league winner or do you view him more as like a floor player, like moving forward? No, I still like him because the usage is there, you know, for the running back position. I have him, you know, at this point, pretty cleanly ranked in the top 10 at the running back position each week. Uh, I think that's where he belongs. And part of it is because of the talent, but a lot of it is just because of the usage. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's just look at the past three weeks, 16, 13, 16 carries. And he's a, a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. Like, I don't think he's all that great lined up out wide, but he's, he's gotten better as his career has progressed, but you know, five targets, five targets, three targets out of the backfield. But he's he's being used as a significant, like, quote unquote, alpha running back. Like there aren't all that many guys who have legitimate running back usage that is as as significant as Corderell Patterson's right now, which part of that is uh, an indictment of like the state of the running back position in the league right now. Like you have guys who are good, who are I mean, think like. Christian McCaffrey, right? No Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> like, so they're just they're running backs who think Ezekiel Elliott in previous seasons, you know, a world of usage coming his direction. Now he's like getting half of the usage. So Cordero Patterson, while he's not as productive as we would want, that usage is pretty significant. And they are they are giving him the ball in situations where he can score. So I'm, I'm still on Cordero Patterson, but it is sort of like this inverse of the situation with Debo Samuel. Yeah. You know, I always tell myself, cause I, you know, I write up these games and I, I think about it from like an expectation stance. And then, you know, when I go into projections and rankings, it says something, you know, totally different just because of like sheer volume at the running back position, you know, there's like, it's like, Oh, I would love to knock down like Leonard Fournette a couple spots this week. And it's like, for who? Like, right. <laughs> you know, or like, you know, it's like Alvin Kamara against the Bucks. Like, oh, this probably won't be a spike week for Alvin Kamara. Like, maybe I'll ding him a couple spots. It's like, oh, are you going to move him like below like David Montgomery? 
like no right. like so it's like it is it is just it's a landscape you know type of deal too uh you know wide yeah. receivers a little different but yeah running like whatever running back touches you can grab we talked about joe mixon too like he's been a little cattywampus this year too but it's like what are you gonna do he's getting 20 touches a game like <laughs> you can't, I know. from like a ranking stance you've got to plug those guys like in highly and then just kind of play it by ear and hope you get those uh those touchdowns it's been it's where we are you just gotta suck up those touches that's why rashad penny's in our hearts again <laughs> <laughs> a team that I know you 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 used to follow, and I don't know if you're still how much your fan card you carry these days. The Cowboys uh, are another team that's been a little Jekyll and Hyde, you know, especially since Dak had the calf injury. And you know, I've already gotten some streaming Dak questions, and we'll get into this in a second. But I first want you to just at, take a top down look. I, explain to me what you think's going on with Dallas, and, and you know, Dak. You know, um, you know, since his week not since he's come back in week nine, he's 26 in the NFL in EPA per play. 27th in completion rate. We can't even call it above expectation because it's below expectation. Yeah. Uh, after being ranking ninth and fourth in those categories before, do you think it, he is playing kind of hurt or do you think it's like a hodgepodge of other things like put together? I mean, I think it has to be the injury and he's also not running as well either. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not like he's a, a prolific runner, but he's always had that skill set within his arsenal and he just, he hasn't had that. He's not moving around as well. And, you know, I'm not like a, a film like X's and O's guy, like quarterback whisperer, any type of thing like that. So, like, I, I'm not going to be able to look at the film and be like, oh, here's what's wrong. Like, look at his plant foot, you know, but like it just he, he doesn't, as, as you mentioned, like he's not connecting the way that he was before the injury. Uh, and so I'm just going to assume that a lot of this is because of the injury. Maybe some of this is because defenses are maybe playing them differently or, you know, whatever it is, Um, you know, since the Denver game where they just got walloped, you know, and Dak was like, I hope teams play us like that. Like, you know, they haven't had the success since then. And, And so maybe there is some of this, you know, component of defenses have seen the tape. They've figured out a way to minimize what it is that the Cowboys do well. But I do think for the most part, this is, uh, this is something to do with the injury. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't helped. They've rotated a bunch of offensive linemen over the past months and yeah. Iron Smith's not going to play this week. He's had a lot of, you know, shuffling of wide receivers. I mean, coming into last week's game, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb had played 27 snaps together to that point in the season. Uh, yeah. the, obviously, they played the full game last week. It didn't really change a lot because he threw a terrible interception at the end of that game. But as in context of, of week 15, because I've gotten streaming questions, uh, well, one, how high are you ranking Dak this week? Uh, and, you know, are you exploring? Would you explore any of these streamers for him? Yeah, I have Dak number nine. And, but I will say like, it's, it's a, uh, it's an uncertain feeling kind of number nine. Like I have Taysom Hill at number 11 and I could see a strong argument for going with Taysom Hill over Dak this week. You know, like I can, I can see it. Like, I'm not at the point of thinking like Tua versus the Jets. I'm going to take Tua over Dak Prescott. I'm not there yet, but it's not like it's a great matchup against the giants, you know, for, for a quarterback, like it's, you know, it's a neutral ish type of matchup. Now, like Dak does have the history, especially like from the sports betting perspective against the spread, Dak has the history of dominating within division. So, you know, that's, that's something that maybe you take into account, but with the way that he's played and the, like the volume for me, that is the biggest thing. Like think of how of how poorly, quote unquote, poorly Patrick Mahomes was playing at the beginning of the year with all the interceptions, but he was still throwing the ball uh, voluminously and aggressively. And so he was still like the number one fantasy quarterback in the league at the beginning of the season. It's not like that with Dak. Like Dak is not playing as efficiently and he's not throwing the ball all that much. So I'm just not seeing the path to putting him in the top five. And like at that point, if he's on the lower end of the QB one spectrum that does open him up to questions about streamers. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a tough guy this week. I've got him in a league and I've, I've, you know, survived, you know, some games here down the stretch here where he's, he's given us these like low scoring weeks and I've got him this week. I'm, I'm not going to stream for him this week, but I'm also very concerned because someone that had him last week too is, you know, you see the start of that game and I'm like, just like you, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a 27 pass attempt that game. Like, yeah. like, and he's just not kind of built to get there completely like always on that low volume. 
Uh, and I think, you know, play, basing Mike Glennon and their whispers, they, we could, they could sprinkle in Jake Fromm and they should see what Jake Fromm has. Uh, why not? Right. At this point, yeah. uh, you know, is this a game that the Dallas just kind of controls things now that their defense is good? It ruins everything. Um, and it, I, I, I'm with you though. I, I would have a tough time getting to like Tua or Taysom Hill. Um, but you, you did team me up for the nice segue, which is Taysom Hill, you know, uh, Taysom Hill just keeps getting there. And he's done a little differently this year. It's he's still getting there with his legs, but like he's like sucking out. Like remember early in the season, when everyone was mad at Jalen Hurts for like scoring points in the fourth quarter. That's like what has happened with Taysom Hill these two two games. Forty nine percent of his fantasy points scored were in the, have been in the fourth quarter. Uh, last week he had two rushing touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and then of course he has the the long run where everyone is praying he doesn't kneel, and thankfully he didn't or you know slide. Um, but now he's made six starts. He's been the QB 13 or higher in all of them. The fewest amount of fantasy points he's ever scored in a game is 17 and a half that he started. And I say ever, he's only made six starts. Um, you know, Sean Payton, when, when they faced Todd Bowles, since Todd Bowles has been there, he's had pretty good game plans with and he, you know, he hasn't always had Drew Brees in those games. They've scored 30 or more points in three of the four games since Todd Bowles has been there. And that one was earlier in the season when Trevor Simeon took over for Jameis Winston in the first quarter. So like he has been able to dial up some things to still be successful offensively. But on the other hand, this is also like Taysom is going to get his face blitzed off in this game uh, against the Bucks, And it feels like we are fighting with a little bit of fire like we were Jalen Hurts early in the season. But how confident are you uh, to, to play Taysom Hill? And then we'll do, a, I'll do a little name game with you with him too and see who you're starting him over. Man, I like I'm of kind of two minds on this. So just looking at the numbers without taking into account like the context of a lot of these points coming in the fourth quarter, like just looking at the numbers, thinking about what he did last year, the two games he's had this year, I'm like, hey, Konami code, baby. Mm-hmm. Like, like that gives him a really high floor and a, a pretty decently high ceiling because I mean, if he's going for, you know, 70 to 100 yards rushing in a game, which like that's not projectable, but like, is it not <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. if we, if we have the bucks blitzing him, like, is he going to go to the hot read or is he just going to try to beat the blitz by running mm-hmm. through it? You know? So like he could have a, another pretty good game. So like on the one hand, I look at the production, I look at the consistency of the production on the fantasy point level and think like, okay, yeah. Like I feel pretty confident starting him as a, a QB one on the other hand, like the fact that he has sucked, like, and he has sucked, like in, in a real life perspective, like that does make me nervous of the possibility of him being benched at some point for Trevor Simeon. Like, and that's more of like, like an outlier type of scenario, but like Taysom Hill has been bad and he has salvaged his, his fantasy production, like with production on the ground, but he hasn't looked good. And like, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that Taysom Hill is so bad in this game against a pretty tough bucks defense that at some point they turn back to Trevor Simeon. Like that's not, that's not incredibly likely, but I think that's likelier than a lot of people who are just like putting him in the top 10 of their QB rankings are anticipating. So I would say like on the median outcome, it's probably fine to go with Taysom Hill, but like his worst case scenario could actually be really, really bad. Yeah. That's where I'm at too. I feel like he's a guy that you're playing strictly for floor at a position where you can find floors with ceilings. I don't know if I fully believe he has a high ceiling this week, which is kind of the biggest problem. I feel like you're just hoping he gets there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's the biggest problem. We're talking about fantasy playoffs, you know, and, and having that kind of upside, especially at the quarterback position. So kind of comparing him to a couple other guys, the same ilk, you know, one being Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts is kind of a guy, he, he had 20 or more fantasy points his first seven games of the season. And then he's hit that once since. Before his injury, we've seen him throw 14, 17, 23, 24 passes. Uh, is he a guy that like you, you, you think, do you view him similarly to Taysom Miller? Or do you believe there's just more there with Jalen Hurts this week? I, I think there's more there. Um, I do have him ranked higher. I have him ranked number seven. Um, he's got the matchup going against Washington, uh, who have allowed the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So a, a good matchup for him. But I would say like uh, like Taysom Hill, there's also a little bit of benching risk with Jalen Hurts. Like if Hurts doesn't do well in the first half, they could go to Gardner Minshew 
in the second half, given that I wouldn't say like Minshew played well, but he played well enough in uh, the, the game before the bye week for them, at least to entertain the idea of switching to him if Hertz doesn't do well. Um, so I think there is some vulnerability there, but I would go with Hertz before I would go with Taysom Hill. I mean, it's a good point. If he plays as bad as he did against the Giants, and like you're talking about a team that's literally playing for the playoffs, uh, yeah. it's still probably more it is is more probability to that scenario existing than people want to acknowledge. Yeah. Uh, one guy that isn't going to get benched, well, we don't think so. He might because Matt Nagy's kind of a donkey, but is Justin Fields, who's the same boat. Like in the last three full games, Justin Fields has played. He has 18 or more fantasy points. He's really started to run. He's averaging 6.4 rushing points per game. Uh, over his past six starts and has over 38 or more rushing yards his past five full games played uh, going against Minnesota, who since they've lost Daniel Hunter has really struggled to pressure the quarterback. They're giving up buckets of points. Uh, Are you, would you entertain Justin Fields over either of those options this week, or would you entertain him at all in in a one quarterback league? I think I would entertain, entertain him as a streamer. Uh, If I'm kind of desperate, I would still go with Hertz or Taysom Hill over Justin Fields at this point. But I I do think like he is an acceptable option because of the rushing that he has shown in his past few games. So all three of those guys put a bucket. Are you who are you playing over Russell Wilson? Over, over Russell Wilson. That's a good, that's a good question. That's a very specific question. Well, I I, like, I'm going to throw a couple of names out to you still besides him, but I feel yeah. like he's a guy that people are saying, like, do I stream for Russell Wilson mm-hmm. or not? Mm-hmm. Oh, I would easily go with Hertz and Hill over Russell Wilson. I would probably still go Wilson ahead of Justin Fields. All right. How about Joe Burrow? Similar, similar breakdown. Because I, I think Burrow and Wilson are pretty comparable in terms of where they are ranked right now i feel like those are the two main guys people are looking to stream outside of the questions i get for dak but we we already we already drilled down on that but uh russ and burrow are the two guys i think are people are going to have the biggest kind of question on this week of like do you stick with them or do you shoot for something else and maybe kirk cousins are you still are you confident to go back to kirk cousins uh in another prime time spot after we saw prime time cousins rob us of four justin jefferson touchdowns on thursday I mean, the Bears defense, it's like, it's not great, but it's not bad. And like this, yeah, prime time, this does not feel like a Kirk Cousins spot. Like that said, I have him ranked number 12. So he's very close to Taysom Hill. Like if you wanted to go with him over Taysom Hill, I I wouldn't have like a problem with it, but I would still play Taysom Hill above Kirk Cousins. Yeah, low game, total game could be ugly. Uh, NFC North throwback style. Maybe it's fun because <laughs> the Vikings will find a way to make it fun, like they always do. That's the other thing with Taysom Hill. We can talk about like we're gonna, we're like willingly accepting just playing a road quarterback with an eighteen point team total. Like, yes. and, and granted, like he he does his he gets his fantasy points in a different fashion, but that's like an objective spot that like we would run away from. Yes, the, exactly. The one thing I would say is that like we have six games showing us that Taysom Hill produces yeah. ugly. And and so like I'm not too worried about like the game state because that just seems to like dovetail with what it is that Taysom Hill does. You mentioned uh, Tua. Would you play Tua over Taysom Hill? No, I, I have Tua right now ranked number 13. So I would go with, with Taysom Hill over him. But like that, that is close. I think like Tua is like the quote unquote kind of safer. Like even though I think Taysom Hill probably has like legitimately the higher floor because of his rushing ability, like Tua is the kind of like safer play in that like I think he has a narrower range of outcomes, whereas like Taysom Hill could just like implode and it wouldn't be that big of a surprise. But Tua, he's looked pretty decent passing the ball uh, in a really nice matchup against the Jets. Um, But I think it's a, I don't know, like, because it's the Jets, you could see somehow how he gets like 250, 275 yards passing and three touchdowns. But I think it's a low ceiling situation with Tua, which makes mm-hmm. him, I think, kind of unattractive for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I kind of see that scenario too as well. They do have a moderately good team total, but I'm with you as well. We saw that a couple weeks ago when they played as well. He think he had 17 and a half fantasy points. Nice, solid, great streamer if you streamed him. Uh, but yeah, we, we want to try to crack the door down this week. 
Absolutely. You, you know, one thing to, to say quickly about Tua is that since he came back from the injury in week six, uh, he's number two in composite EPA and completion percentage mm-hmm. over expectation. Like he trails only Aaron Rodgers and he's tied with Mac Jones. So like he's not doing a lot, but whatever he's being asked to do within that offense, he's doing it fairly well as a passer. And so like whatever it is that you think of like the the real life maturation or development of Mac Jones, you should probably be thinking about Tua in that same way. Cause like he has progressed as, as a passer within this offense. Like, again, he's not doing a lot. He's not lighting it up from a fantasy perspective, but from like a real life kind of game manager type of perspective, I think he's actually playing pretty well. Yeah, I talked with Evan Silva about this a few weeks ago, about how there's been a disconnect between the Miami coaching staff, the job that they've done in the front office of Miami. And I believe that the coaching staff's done an absolutely tremendous job of what they've had to work with on the field. And you see he's now, he now leads the NFL in percentage of pass attempts using play action because they swerved into this RPO passing game that they used a lot at Alabama. Uh, He's now third in the NFL in RPO pass attempts. Uh, He's sixth in points above expectation on RPO pass attempts. Uh, And they've had to work around all those things because they can't run the football. The offensive line is absolutely atrocious. Uh, And like, you know, they they found a way to still be productive. Uh, And and he's had literally just Jalen Waddle basically the whole season to throw the football to. So, I mean, (laughs) it it has been a a more productive season. I think the coaching staff actually does deserve some credit in Miami now. I think that the the people like big NFL are getting a little ahead of themselves of Miami being back and being a good team uh, because they've beaten absolutely no one uh, over the stretch of games. But, uh, you know, we'll watch them maybe potentially get dusted in the first round by a good team. We'll, we'll take it. <laughs> um, bringing this home here because I want to keep you uh, too much longer. I think we walked through the quarterback scenarios. Like basically everyone's going to be looking at it, streaming stuff. We kind of did a good job to that. There are a couple wide receivers I kind of want to pick your brain about. One is we still are in the slump with, with DK Metcalf. Uh, man, he had a touchdown call back last week. He had another end zone target rough sailed on him. But again, sorry, doesn't put the Trisket crackers in your stomach. They're, they're, the, the production isn't there. And now, you know, you're going into the playoffs. And like you said, we want to chase these ceilings. We've got a matchup with the Rams. We don't know if Jalen Ramsey is going to play. So we'll have to stick a pin in that. He does have two touchdowns against the Rams last two times that they played. Uh, if you have DK Metcalf, I mean, how confident are you? Are you are you looking to maybe go crazy? And what if you have Van Jefferson? Are you going to play Van Jefferson over DK Metcalf? Uh, you know, how do you feel about DK Metcalf going into this first week of the postseason? Oh boy! So I, let's let's talk about Jalen Ramsey first. I'm operating under the assumption that Ramsey will not play because he uh, was put on the COVID Monday. list on Monday. So shortly before Monday night football, but you know, if he's been put on the COVID list on Monday, I think that puts him behind the eight ball to play this weekend. So I'm thinking Ramsey is out. Uh, They've used uh, Ramsey in a kind of weird fashion this year where he's played a significant number of snaps in the slot. So it wasn't even like guaranteed that he would be manning up Metcalf for the super majority of this game. But, you know, with Ramsey out, I think that's good for Metcalf good for Lockett. Um, you've mentioned uh, Van Jefferson. No way would I start Van Jefferson over DK Metcalf. I know the results have been ugly, but since Russ ret- returned, Metcalf has had, I believe, eight targets in every game but one. Like That's not like a high number, but that's good enough for a guy let, like Metcalf going against a defense that's missing its number one cornerback. Like, that's good enough for him to have like the kind of Seattle targets too, which are like transitive property, <laughs> like 42 targets in a different offense. Yeah, exactly. Cause they're, they're all down the field and in the end zone. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I think Metcalf uh, there's, there's a, like downside there, but I think he's still a high end wide receiver too. I, I think you have to start him as such. How about another, maybe potentially oh, a guy that's being treated as still a wide receiver one. I know you dig into, you know, cornerback matchups that have been uh, something you've analyzed for a number of years and used to write a report at action about this. Uh, we have round 10 in the, what I believe is actually a fun battle in the NFL. We don't have a lot of individual player rivalries in the NFL, but Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore is like a legit NFL rivalry. That's uh, a great one. Yeah. They, they hate each other. Like these dudes go at it during the game. Yeah. Uh, and this is the 10th time that they've played. Mike Evans has basically been dominated and dog walked in these games, except for one. Just to keep the lights on, he has like a one, a seven for one forty-seven game. 
he has scored a touchdown in three of the past four times these teams have played, but he has not cleared 64 yards. Uh, he's had, he hasn't had more than four catches in any games. I mean, how are you handling Mike Evans this week in this, in the first round of playoffs? Yeah. So I, I love this question and you're right. I, if we had to think of a great wide receiver cornerback rivalries in the league right now, uh, this one is, if it's not number one, it's definitely up there. Number one would maybe be uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Jalen Ramsey, like from the time in the mm-hmm. AFC South yeah. and then now transplanted to uh, the NFC West. But um, this is a fantastic matchup. I love it when these two guys go at each other. And like to like to, to put this in perspective, the way that I tend to do rankings early in the week like I, I, like I wake up on Tuesday and I bang them out and like, I'm not trying to be perfect with those rankings. I'm just trying to get them good enough so that I have something like that is presentable to put on the site and good enough for people to make some waiver wire decisions. Um, so like I right now have Mike Evans in the top 10, I have him like at number nine. Um, but like, there's no way that I feel good about that ranking. And so like when I get to Thursday and then especially on the weekend, when like, I really start to dig into the rankings and thinking about things, like I will probably drop Mike Evans, even though in terms of projections, if you were creating a projection, I would think that Mike Evans should probably be on that wide receiver one wide receiver two borderline this week. Um, and I think if you have him, you have to start him. But I do think that his actual outcome in this game is lower than that because mm-hmm. of the history that these two guys have against each other and like how it is that Lattimore <laughs> just gets up for this game. Like, and like a mental, like the mindset that he has when he knows that he's going against Mike Evans. Like, this is like, like, this is war, you know? So, I don't know. Like you, you start Mike Evans. If you have him, like, I doubt that you have three to four wide receivers who are actually better than him. Um, but I, I have him right now as a low end wide receiver one, but I will just say, I know that I will not have him ranked that high when I submit my final rankings on Sunday morning. So, so walking through that and, you know, as a gamer in your head, you know, hearing you lay out the trepidation. I mean, if you wake up on Monday and he has, two for 17 and ends up not scoring a touchdown. Are you going to be mad at yourself because you knew that this could be an outcome and you didn't avoid it? Or like, do you feel like you played scared money? Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's an outcome, but you also know that Mike Evans is one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. Like I would rather, you know, like you're in the playoffs. I would rather go into the matchup with my best guys, assuming that, Like if it's close, like for instance, let's say like my team is totally stacked and I have Tyreek Hill and Deontay Johnson and Chris Godwin, and then it's a debate between Mike Evans and T Higgins as like the fourth guy that I'm putting in my flex. In that instance, I'm probably going with T Higgins or, you know, like if it's Tyler Lockett, I'm going with Tyler Lockett even though like right now I have Mike Evans ahead of them. And I would say like in a vacuum, Mike Evans is probably the better player. Like at that point, I'm just trying to like maximize my upside while still minimizing my downside. And Evans has a ton of downside in this matchup. Like you you just like a quantifiable downside, like real objective downside within this matchup. So if you have the ability to slot someone in instead of Evans, then great you're basically kind of like free rolling. But if you don't have that, then I think you have to go with Evans. You have to put your best player out there. And like, in terms of like the median projection, it's good enough to justify putting him in there. But I mean, you just, you have to understand that there's a, there's some contingency there. Like, would you rather go, I don't know, Mike Evans or Michael Gallup? You know, like, I mean, I'm going to go with Mike Evans, even though I know that there is a chance that he totally poops himself. <laughs> um, what, what about real quick, just to the guys that people might've run into based on like draft capital and they're sitting out. What about Jalen Waddle? That's a good one. Uh, oh man. Honestly, I might go with Waddle. Like I, I know like that, that there's a wide range between those guys in terms of where mm-hmm. I have them ranked right now. 
But like Waddle is getting legitimate usage and he's got a very good matchup. Like he's getting, you know, like eight to 10 targets per game, pretty locked in. Like he's getting better volume than Mike Evans is getting right now. And he's got the matchup on his side. Honestly, I might go with Waddle. What about a guy kind of in the same uh, almost archetype I square face about Hunter Renfro? Oh, man. I, I, I don't hate that. Like Hunter Renfro at this point with the volume he's getting in the production, like he's he's on that like sort of like high end wide receiver two like borderline anyway. Mm-hmm. So he's already not all that far from Mike Evans. Like, yeah, I like if I'm trying to minimize my downside, like not thinking about like the median projections of like how you rank these guys, but like just minimizing downside while still having upside, mm-hmm. I would go with Renfro over Mike Evans. Yeah, I think I would too. Uh, it's crazy to say. What a time to be live. That's fantasy playoffs though. And it's, it's stuff. Yeah. these are decisions that could, you know, be a fulcrum point of you winning and losing because they like said, you're probably facing another team that is going to be capable of scoring points this week. Uh, as, as we're in the final thing, I'll hit you with some, just a real quick rapid fires on the way out here. Uh, do you trust any Browns receiver this week? I mean, obviously now case Keenum's playing. No, <laughs> no, uh, answer's no. Gabriel Davis replacing Emmanuel Sanders. How high are you putting him? Right now, it, actually, honestly, not that high, but I will probably move him up right now. I feel like I have him around wide receiver 50. Um, I think he's going to be like much more popular in DFS than, uh, you know, cause he's like what 3,700 on DraftKings, something like that. Like, uh, I think he's going to be much more popular in DFS than, uh, in seasonal, but, uh, you know, I think you can take a shot on him as like your flex or like wide receiver four. I know that you said you, you, you starting to get into the, the, the rankings over projections this year, but hit me with a Jonathan Taylor yardage projection this week. Oh, it's, it still has to be in the nineties, right? Like the, like you can't, you can't put it at a hundred and still like respect yourself, but it's still got to be in the nineties. So let's say like uh 95 and a half. This one, this, this game on, and I wish it's, I wish it was more on the the main slate to see if maybe there's a chance to pull like some low ownership on Jonathan Taylor. The, yeah. It'll be interesting because, you know, we have the narrative Bill Belichick always takes away the opposing team's best player and what they do on offense. And they've had a, a week off now. So it's Frank Reich too. So it's kind of fun. Both teams have had a week off. But I mean, this Patriots run D has not been good this year mm-hmm. at all. So it's going to be real curious to see how they patch it up uh, in terms of just trying to throw what they throw at Jonathan Taylor. But also Carson Wentz has been really bad anytime he's had had to throw out a necessity. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that plays. And then the it's, last one. It's interesting. Sorry. One, and one thing to one. add here, the line like has continued to move towards the Colts. So like yes. there is like significant uh, like bullish sentiment that the Colts at home as favorites, like that is a Jonathan Taylor spot. So, you know, maybe he does really run all over this Patriots defense. So I mean, I'm setting this number at 95 and a half. Honestly, maybe I'm still too low. Nice. And then on the, on the way out here, one last one, uh, assuming Deandre Hopkins is out, he's having a second opinion as MRI, which is probably never good. It seems like you don't get a second opinion on, on good news. Um, yeah. you know, uh, which Cardinals wide receiver, uh, do you like? Cause they play the lions. I mean, yeah. who do you like here? Do you like them all? Uh, man, like I, in my heart of hearts, I want to say Rondell Moore just to, you know, like <laughs> just to stay on brand. Um, but I, I probably have to go with, with Christian Kirk. Um, you know, I, I think especially in the slot, like he's still seeing work in the slot, even when, uh, Deandre Hopkins has been out and in the slot going against, uh, Will Harris as the slot corner for the lions. Who's just, uh, been dominated like week in and week out. Like that's a pretty good matchup for him. And in the three games, uh, weeks nine through 11 without Hopkins, Kirk did lead the team with 183 yards receiving. So he's probably the one I would go with, but really like it's been evenly distributed without DeAndre Hopkins there. So it's not a strong lean towards Christian Kirk. Yeah, I lean Kirk too. No problem if you have to play AJ Green though this week either too for me, uh, just because it's the Lions. And we're high. Yeah. Kyler's going to find a way to get there, especially now that they lost. Like it feels like just a typical bounce back, get right yeah. spot for the Cardinals. All right. I think we walked through just about a lot of the fulcrum points of this week. I used fulcrum points a lot on this show. Uh, has that ever happened to you? Like when you're, when you're podcasting, you're like, Oh yeah, I just fell into that phrase a bunch of times into that pocket of that phrase. Yeah. Um, that, that happens. Uh, <laughs> you, you should transition from, from uh, fulcrum points to sharp angles. Yeah. Sharp angles. I like that. 
but let the people know, you know, what you guys have going on, where they can find your work. Uh, if you guys have anything late season, any kind of promos, what you guys have going on over at FTN. Yeah. So you can find all the work at FTN, uh, on Friday, I published the fantasy football breakdown. I'm actually getting kind of close to being done with it already this week, which would be like the earliest Ooh. I'm done with it. Uh, of course, uh, just in time for all the COVID news to hit it and make all of my analysis <laughs> irrelevant. But you know, so that, that comes out on Friday. I have a best bets article that comes out on Thursday, of course, the fantasy rankings, which come out on Tuesday. And then I update them on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then of course, Jeff Ratcliffe, who's the goat with projections and rankings. He has his rankings in there too. And then we have the FTN bet tracker where I put in all my NFL size totals and player props, uh, even some uh, NBA player props if I'm feeling extra spicy. Um, so, you know, all of that content there. We are, uh, I know Christmas is, uh, you know, still a little bit away, 10 days away, but we are going to have a 12 days of Christmas, uh, you know, kind of promo series running uh, from December 25th to January 5th. So be sure to keep an eye out on that. It'll be a, a different promo each day. So, uh, you know, there, if there's something that catches your eye, that might be the opportunity for you to dive into an FTN subscription. Yeah, a lot of great tools over there. A lot of great uh, people on the ensemble. You know, Derek Brown, Adam Pfeiffer, our guys have good relationships with. Yeah. Uh, beautiful. So, yeah, that puts a bow on it. Week 15, hopefully we covered, you know, enough ground for everybody. Uh, to make their lineup lineup decisions this week. I hope everyone gets a win in week 15. Hopefully everyone hits those cash lines in DFS, and we'll be back in week 16.